All right, guys, everybody has their Bibles, right? We're ready to go. Um, well, guys, I can hardly believe it. I don't know if, uh, if it's taken you by surprise, but can you believe it's July already? This year is just, it's floor me how fast it's flying by, which means if it's July, we are now starting to do the Family Sunday series, um, which if you've never been in a Family Sunday series before, I want to give you a heads up on it. Uh, during this series, uh, all the upstairs Sunday school rooms, kids all come down here and join us in the sanctuary to worship God together. So adults, let's give a big round of applause to our kids and let's welcome them with us. Now, I personally think this is a great thing to do because I think it's great for kids to come down and, and be with their parents, see their parents worship God, and, and to do it together with them. And I think it shows them just a great example of what a, what a parent does in following God together. And so this is a special time of the year that we get to do that. But one thing about Family Sunday series is that our sermons are a bit different from regular sermons that we have throughout the year. And I'm just going to be blunt, we have a lot more fun, okay? Uh, we do a lot of different things. Some things are pretty out of the box. Some are really funny. Some are crazy. But they all have to do with trying to drive the, home, the point home of the sermon. And I share all that because some people think that church, to have a true church service, it needs to be boring. And it needs to be solemn. And it needs to be serious. And you can't have fun um, to have a true service. But let me tell you something that simply isn't true. It's okay to have fun in church. Amen? All right, so I say this every summer, uh, give yourself permission to have fun in church, okay? Yes, things are going to be different, and they even maybe make you uncomfortable, I don't know, I hope not, but they might, uh, so just give yourself permission to relax and enjoy yourself during this series, and who knows, God may teach you some pretty cool things that could impact your life. Now, this series is on Joseph, okay? Not Mary and Joseph, but another Joseph from the Old Testament who's the son of Jacob. How many of you guys have heard of this Joseph before? Raise your hand. All right, good. A lot of you guys know about him. Joseph is a man in the Old Testament who was a pretty incredible guy. God used him to do some pretty awesome things. But as we're going to learn, it didn't start out that way. Joseph came from a kind of a weird background. I mean, he had some character flaws that he needed to change. He was pretty immature, and so God had to do some work in his life to transform him into the man that God needed him to be to do the things he needed him to do. And we're going to see that change happening as we progress throughout the weeks in this series. But to start out with, being this series is on Joseph, I thought it'd be cool to start out with and ask, how many people do we have in this sanctuary right now whose name is Joseph, or some variation of Joseph. It can be a woman, Josephine, Jojo, whatever. You know, if your name is Joseph, I want you to stand up, okay? Stand up, stay standing up. Middle name, yeah, it can be a middle name too, okay? Now, the reason I didn't show you this first is because I figured we'd have a whole lot more Josephs if you saw the candy first. So, here we go. You ready to catch? Here you go, bud. Way in the back, bro. Here we go. Yeah, nice. All right, Jack. Ready? Nice. All right, and we got one more over here. All right. Good job. Tell you what, guys. We're famous because of this. I'm serious. I've, I've, thought, I've had a lot of conversations with people, and they're like, hey, Luke, where, where are you a pastor? I'm like, I'm a pastor at Whitestone. 
And they're like, is that the church that throws candy at the congregation? Like, yes. Yes, it is. And it's changing lives left and right. It's absolutely amazing. All right, let's get back to the life of Joseph. Um, today, I'm going to do some background work. Okay, We're kind of going to be setting the table for this whole series, so we've got to look at the background. And to do that, we're going to be looking at the family that Joseph was born into. Okay, Now, before we do... Uh, let me ask you, have you ever thought about your family? Have you ever thought about how maybe dysfunctional it is? And, and, and kids, if you don't know what the word dysfunctional means, I know that's kind of a big word, but dysfunctional basically means pretty messed up, okay? So have you ever thought about how messed up your family is, how relationships in your family may be messed up and people don't get along and people aren't talking to each other and, you know, parents may be divorced and brothers and sisters are fighting and on and on it goes. And, and for some of us, the dysfunction is pretty bad. Our families are really messed up and sometimes it's easy to get discouraged by that. It's easy to get a bit down by that and to start thinking, man, my family is so messed up. I've made such a mess of my life and my family's made such a mess of their life that how in the world is God ever going to use me? How in the world is God ever going to use me in his big plan? And I tell you, the enemy will jump on you with that and beat you to the ground and try to make you feel like you're worthless and God can't do anything. Well, guys, we're going to be looking at the family dynamics of this guy named Joseph, and we're going to see that if God could use Joseph in his mighty plan, big plan, God can use anybody. Okay? So let's take a look. And let's start with Joseph's dad. Okay? We all know that fathers have a huge impact on their sons, so let's look at Joseph's dad and see what kind of man he was. Now, Joseph's dad, his name was Jacob. Now, does anybody know what the name Jacob actually means? It means deceiver, okay? Now, for you kids that don't know what deceiver means, deceiver is kind of like the word liar, okay? Except it's more like they distract people from the truth by tricking them. Okay, that's what deceiving means. So imagine a dad whose name is Tricky Liar. Okay? Imagine your dad talking to you saying, son, you need to trust me about what I'm telling you. Okay, this is how it needs to happen. Believe me, you want to do it this way. And you're like, okay, Tricky Liar. You know? That'd be weird. So, so there's that. But there's also, you know, what, what is the life of Jacob like? And let's just kind of back up and look at Jacob's life, the dad here, okay? Now, Jacob, whether you knew it or not, was a twin, okay? How many of you guys here are twins? Any twins? You're going to get some candy for that. <laughs> here you go. Good. All right. Did I miss any other twins? No? Oh, Mary, back of the room. This is going to be fun. Ready? I didn't know you were a twin, Mary. Just broke the glass. I know you're not a twin, Eric. All right. So Jacob was a twin. His older brother's name was Esau. Okay. So you know, most time when twins are born, the first one pops out, and everybody's like, "Oh, great! Look at him! It's a boy!" And we're all celebrating everything. And like three or four minutes later, out comes the second. They're like, "Oh my word! The second one is born! Great! We got our twins, and it's great." And then reality sets in for the parents. <clears throat> but it wasn't like that for Jacob. When Esau, who was the oldest son, when he was born, guess what Jacob was doing? Jacob had hold of his ankle, was hanging onto his ankle and coming out like this, like trying to pull him back in, like, no, I'll be the firstborn. 
but he came out hanging on to the ankle of Esau. Okay, Kind of weird, but it's just kind of interesting. But Esau was this hairy little sucker. He was one hairy baby, and he grew up to be this big, hairy man. Do we have any hairy men in the room today? <laughs> one? Okay. You get some candy for that. Got one back there? Here you go. Nice. So Esau was really hairy. Jacob was not. And it's kind of interesting. The father, Isaac, really liked Esau. The mother really liked Jacob. Well, a firstborn in that time and age would always get, the firstborn son would get a birthright. Okay? The birthright was a very important thing because a father would, in a sense, hand over his birthright to the firstborn son, and that was a huge importance. There was a lot that came with that. So Esau, being the firstborn son, he deserved the birthright. Now, as Isaac, the grandfather, the father here of, of Jacob, as he got older and older, he got blind and was really old, and it came time for him to die, and so he was going to give out the birthright to his firstborn son. So Jacob's mother came to Jacob and said, hey, Jacob, you know, I know you really want this birthright. So what we could do is we could trick your dad into him giving it to you. He says, you could go in there and say, hey, I'm Esau. You know, give me the birthright. And he's blind. He wouldn't know any difference. And he'll give you the birthright. And he says, yeah, but Esau is really hairy. How is that going to happen? He goes, well, here's what we'll do. We'll put animal skins all over your arm, and you can go in there. And when he says, man, I don't know if you're Esau, he could feel your arm, and he'll feel all the hair and go, all right. So that's what they did. Jacob put all these little animal skins all over his body. He walked in there, and, and he's like, hey, Dad, I'm ready for my birthright. And, and Isaac was like, oh, you sound a little bit like Jacob, not like Esau. And Jacob was like, no, no, I'm Esau. Feel my arm. And so he reaches out. He's like, sure enough, you're really hairy. You must be Esau. And so he gave him the birthright. Now, when Esau found out about it, Esau was ticked because he was tricked out of his birthright. And he wanted to take Jacob out, so Jacob ran for his life. Long story short, Jacob ended up at this place where there's a guy named Laban. Laban had a bunch of herds of goats, and he had two daughters. And so he was talking to Laban. He says, hey, Laban, I really like your younger daughter, Rachel, man. I'd like to marry her. And he says, all right, dude. He says, if you work for me for seven years, then you can marry my youngest daughter. He's like, all right, sweet daddy, I'll do it. So he worked for seven years taking care of the herds and goats and and it came time for, after the seven years, they had this wedding ceremony that he was going to marry Rachel. Now back then, I don't know why they did this, but the bride would wear a veil that would cover everything. <laughs> and so they had this wedding ceremony, and they're sitting there, and Jacob takes her, and he marries her, and he, he makes the vows to her and everything. And then when it came time to take off the veil, he's like, Woo! it was not Rachel. It was Leah. So the deceiver got deceived. He was tricked. And so he went to Laban, he says, what's up, dude? I want to marry your younger daughter, not your older daughter. He says, well, in our culture, you don't marry off the older daughter before the younger daughter. You know, you just can't do that. And he goes, well, I want to marry your younger daughter. He goes, okay, well, you got to work for me for another seven years. He's like, all right, I'll do it. So he worked another seven years. After that, he married Rachel. Now, I know this is kind of weird, but Leah had a little servant girl, or had a servant woman, and Rachel had a servant woman, and so Jacob... Married them too. So he had four wives. Kind of creepy, kind of weird, but that was the case. That's what happened. So they end up moving away. And uh, weird thing is that Rachel was the woman or the wife that he really loved. 
and she couldn't have children, and yet the other wives were pumping out a bunch of children. And they had, there was 11 children born, okay, by the time Joseph shows up on the scene. And God, you know, he showed mercy on Rachel, his favorite wife, and she gave birth to, guess who? Joseph. Joseph shows up on the scene, okay? Now imagine, well, let me ask you this. How old do you think Jacob was when Joseph was born? Take a guess. Throw me out some guesses. 65. 65. That's a good guess. Go higher. Higher. A little higher. Believe it or not, it was around 90 or 91 years old. So imagine dad shows up at the hospital and he's holding his brand new son, just like this picture here. That's what I've been like. I've been crazy. Okay? Now, imagine Joseph turns 10. Guess how old dad is? 100 years old. It's like, dad, you want to play ball? Sure, son. You're do that. And then he'd sit on his lap and break his hip. It was that kind of thing. So there's that weird thing going on. Not only that, you have a real mom and three stepmoms living in the same house. You couldn't get away with anything. Moms have eyes in the back of their head. Imagine eight eyes looking at you all the time. You couldn't, you couldn't steal from the cookie jar. So he was living with that. Then, not only that, you have one sister and ten brothers. You have 11 siblings. How many of you guys grew up in a house where you had over ten siblings? Ten kids. We got one. Where else? You know, you deserve a candy for that. Any other ones? No? I heard... There was a lady that used to attend here that she grew up with 16 kids in her household, and their neighbors had 16 kids. So 32 kids between the two houses, like a neighborhood just in two houses. It's crazy. But imagine being the youngest of the bunch, okay? How many of you guys are the babies of the family, okay? Yeah. Now, babies of the family, it sounds, you know, everybody will say that they are what? Spoiled, oh, you poor... I'm a baby. We weren't spoiled, guys. We were amazing. It, baby's not all it's cracked up to be. Because when you're the baby of the family, you're not invited to do anything. All the older siblings head out, and they want to do stuff, and you're like, can I come along? No, you stay. You know, you're bad. I was the youngest of all my cousins on both sides. So when we'd have a family union, they'd like all of them want to go out bowling or watch a movie. and be like, can I come? No, 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 you stay here. You're too young. So I'd have to sit with the adults just talking about useless stuff. And that's, that's how I was growing up. So it's not that great. But I tell you, being the baby of the family, there's something that we're really good at. Can you tell me, babies? Getting our way. Yeah, that, we're good at that too, but we won't talk about that right now. We're great tattletellers, tattletales. We're masters at tattletales. How many of you guys feel like your brother or sister is a tattletale on you? Be honest, it's church. You're not on live stream. You can do it, okay? Yeah? Now, the reason I can say babies are great tattletales is because I was one. And I used to get my brother in trouble all the time. It was awesome. And, you know, I'd, we lived in the same room. Believe it or not, sometimes brothers had to be in the same room. And I would drive him nuts and irritate him like crazy. And finally he's like, dude, you better stop or I'm going to lay into you. And I'm like, oh, you know, I keep messing with him. And then he'd haul off and punch me. And the way my brother punched me, he'd use his knuckle and he'd hit in a very unique spot that he somehow knew about where your arm would go numb. You couldn't pick your nose for a week. It was like, ah, and it hurt so bad. 
and I had to run into my Larry hit me. And so mom would storm in there, and Larry, why do you hit your brother? And he's like, because he irritated me. He's driving me crazy. I warned him, and he's like, well, Larry, you are the older brother, so act like it. And he'd get ripped, and he'd get shoot. And I'd sit there, mm-hmm. You know, that was awesome. We're great at tattletaling. Tattletaling. I don't know how you say it. Well, Joseph was a typical baby of the family, and he was a big tattletale. And honestly, weirdly enough, he didn't grow out of it that quick, okay? Because look at this here. Genesis chapter 37, it says, Joseph being how old? 17 years old, okay? He's taking a while to grow out of us. Was pasturing the flock with his brothers, and he was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. In other words, he tattled on his brothers. Now, I don't know about you, but 17 years old seems to be a little bit old to be a tattletale, but that's where Joseph is. I can imagine him being like, hey, Dad, I was out taking care of the sheep, and my brothers were just, they were screwing around and messing things up, and you need to get after them, okay? So that's what he's doing. Now, that's never a good thing to do with older brothers, okay? Especially when there's like 10 of them, okay? But you know, it's even worse for Joseph because there's something going on behind the scenes that, you know, we don't really, we, we can't pay attention. We got to make sure that we see it because there's a big other story going on. Let me show you. Look at this. Verse 3, now Jacob, the dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. Now, kids, tell me something. What's wrong with this picture? What is Joseph's father doing wrong here? He's showing favoritism. Exactly. Jacob was playing favorites. It says that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Do any of you guys ever feel like mom and dad had a favorite sibling over you? Raise your hands. You're not on live stream. Yeah. It's not fun, is it? It's not fun when mom and dad, you know, kind of like seem to like the other kid more than you or they show favoritism and, and, and you know, kind of let them get away with it. You know, you can imagine he's like, I did the same thing as Billy and I got a whooping and sent him to my room for three weeks. He could just go and play with his friends the same afternoon. What is going on with that? You know, you just, there's favoritism with that. Well, that's what's going on here. Jacob really loved Joseph. I mean, way more than his other brothers. In fact, it wasn't just something that, you know, it's kind of like everybody knows it, but they don't talk about it. No, everybody knew it because Jacob demonstrated. In fact, look at this. Check this out. Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And look at this. And he made him a robe of many colors. I love you, son. I'm going to make you a robe of many colors. Because Joseph was his favorite, he made him this special robe, a robe of many colors. Now, guys, in our day and age, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but back then, that was a huge deal because everybody just wore plain OJ and old robes. It was like one color. To do a lot of colors took a lot of dyes, a lot of work. It was a very special process, and it was very expensive for that to even be done. And so for him to do that for Joseph was pretty, pretty awesome. In fact, we, went, we paid a lot of money to be able to get Joseph's robe. We found it. This is what it had been like, guys. Imagine that. That's what Joseph. It's one sweet daddy row. Now, apparently, you need to wear underclothes with this robe because it doesn't go all the way around. But uh, 
would have fit Joseph probably better. But you can imagine how Joseph, how proud he was looking in this fine little robe, just kind of walking around his brothers like, what's up, boys? You know, I got the new robe. And it's just awesome. Like, you know, you kids, when your mom and dad buy you a new jacket and it's like maybe a name brand jacket and you're like this is so awesome and you're you're wearing it to church you're wearing it to school you're wanting to show off this new jacket that you have I remember in my sophomore year in high school my mom and dad for my birthday bought me a letterman jacket and they put all the letters on it and I thought this was the coolest thing I wore to school would be 60 70 degrees I'll be wearing my jacket because it was just awesome at school, you know, girls would say, hey, Luke, can I wear your, my, your jacket? I'm like, sweet, honey, sure, and girls would be wearing my jacket. I was so proud of this jacket. In fact, just the other day, I pulled the sucker out, and I put it on, and i got to be honest with you, I still look pretty good in it. <laughs> the old boys still got it, tell you what. Guys, it's not that funny. That's, uh... <laughs> well, that's how Joseph feels with this new awesome robe, and he loves this thing. And I can totally imagine him showing it off, showing off in front of his, his brothers, be like, hey, man, hey, let's put on our coat of many colors. Oh, wait, Dad didn't make you one. <laughs> hey, dude, let's, let's head down to the mall and, you know, try to show off to the chicks all our nice robes. Oh, wait, sorry, yours is nasty and gross. You can't go with me. And I'm sure that Joseph would be like, you know what, Brother Kirk, I don't understand why Dad would make me this one and you that one. I mean, this is really nice, and you're, I don't know why Dad would do that. You know, you'd show off like that, and he'd be like, hey, good to have you. And they'd get ticked, okay? Give it up for Kirky. He, I wanted him to lead worship in that, but he didn't do it. But do you see what I mean? And to top it all off, he was a tattletale. This little baby brother was not sitting very, in a very nice position with his brothers. In fact, look at what it says here in, I believe, verse 4. It says, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they what? Hated him. And could not speak peacefully to him. His brothers hated him. And yes, hate is a very strong word. That's what they felt towards him. And notice what it says there. They could not speak peacefully to him. That's kind of a fancy way of saying they couldn't say anything nice. I mean, they ripped on him. They made fun of him. They ridiculed him and just plain said horrible things to him. I'm sure they were like, hey, pretty boy, nice robe. Uh-huh, you little cream puff. Daddy's little pet. Come over here, little punk, and I'll make it more colorful. You know, I'm sure that they were threatening all sorts of stuff. And, and think about this. All ten Brothers hated him. One against ten. Can you imagine how intimidating that would be? That was what Joseph was enduring. That was his life. Think of the dysfunction in that family. Let's just kind of review. His dad's name was Tricky Liar. Okay, He had to live with that. He, his dad cheated his older brother out of the birthright. Therefore, Uncle Esau hates them. They don't hang out with their cousins, probably. You have four mothers. That's just weird. Your dad is over 100 years old, can't do anything with you. You're the youngest of 11. You have a bad habit of tattling on your brothers. Your dad has picked you as his favorite, which is kind of cool, but in the end, it's not so great because everybody hates you. You have everybody as an enemy. Your brothers hate you, and they can't say one nice word about you. Do you see what I'm saying? This is messed up. Imagine around the supper table. How awkward that would be. 
I mean, Joseph would be scared to ask for anything. Hey, Reuben, can you pass the potatoes? Why don't you ask Dad, you little Sally boy? You know? <laughs> Get your own potatoes. And it was probably like that. Talk about a dysfunctional family. And can I just say, Joseph himself is a very large part of this dysfunction. He's one of the reasons everything is so messed up. Let me just show you. Let me just point out two things. There's probably a lot of things, but just two things. Joseph is very immature. Someone who is 17 and still tattling on his brothers to his dad seems like someone who's a bit immature. I mean, at some point, a boy has to grow up into a man and handle things a bit differently than always running to daddy and tattling on your brothers. This is part of growing up. And let me tell you, Joseph has some growing up to do. Secondly, Joseph was apparently very proud. He struggled with pride. Now, next week, you're going to see it even more, but this week, you can see it in the story. Um, Joseph certainly didn't mind being the favorite. And rather than kind of play it down and try to befriend his brothers and restore fellowship with them and try to help his father change the way he did things, now he just sat there and he relished in this special position, feeling pretty good about himself, strutting around in his little pretty coat. You see, guys, it's one thing to be the favorite. It's another thing to act like you're the favorite. And Joseph was acting like he was the favorite. Therefore, his brothers hated him. Pride is something people hate. Newsflash, pride is something God hates. So hopefully you can see that the main character of our story has some real issues going on in his life that need to be addressed. And it's important we see that. Because the reason that I laid out this foundation today was to really set the stage for us to see that Joseph truly did come from a dysfunctional family. His family was pretty messed up. There's a lot of issues going on there. And Joseph himself had a lot of issues that he needed to address in his life. And I share those things because, you know what, that's the same story with you and me. We all come from dysfunction. Our families are messed up. You, you may have a mom and dad who may be divorced. You may have a stepmom or a stepdad and a bunch of stepsisters and stepbrothers and half-brothers and half-sisters and grandparents that I don't really know, but i got to call them grandma and grandpa, and I have an, uh, a dad who doesn't speak to my aunt and an uncle and my grandma can't stand my mom and on and on it goes. We have messed up scenarios. And some are worse than others, but we all have them. But here's what I want you to understand. God can take any situation, no matter how messed up it is, no matter how dysfunctional it is, and he can redeem it. He can fix it. He can transform it and use it for good. Amen? That's what God can do. Let me show you a verse in Romans 8, verse 28. It's a very famous verse. Most everybody knows it. This is going to be a verse we're going to be using a lot in this series. It says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Kids, let me ask you, how many things can God use to work together for good? All. How much does that leave out? None. So can God take your immaturity right now? And transform it into good? Yes, he can. Can he take your prideful self and do whatever he needs to do with it to transform it into something good? Yes, he can. He can take any situation, even mistakes that you've made. You may be sitting here today going, my life is a stinking mess because of what I have chosen to do. I've made the mistake. You know what? God can take that and he can transform it for good. 
It says, to those who love him. If you love him and you're called according to his purpose and if you're a disciple of Jesus, that's who you are. He can use it for good. God is in the business of doing that. And guys, let me tell you, if you are called according to his purpose and you love God, if you're proud today, if you struggle with pride, he's not going to let you just sit in that. He's not going to just let you wallow around in your pride. He is going to bring things into your life to transform you and pull you out of that pride and turn you into a man or woman that he can do great and mighty things with. If you're immature, he's going to create things in your life to be able to produce a mature person lacking nothing. That's the business God is in, and he wants to do it in every single one of our lives. So kids, parents, single adults, listen to me. I don't know what you're facing, but tell you what, God does. I don't know what you're in the middle of, what dysfunction you're in the middle of, but God does. And if you love him, he can take that mess, and he can use it to do great and mighty things in your life. And he can use you to do great and mighty things in this world. We have to trust him for that. So let's trust him. And you're going to see how God does that in the life of Joseph in these upcoming weeks. He's going to do great and mighty things with this young man who right now seems like he's a mess. Well, God's going to change him. And so keep paying attention for these upcoming weeks. And know that if God can do it for Joseph, he can do it for you and me. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this story because, God, this story is just all of our stories. Because we come from so much dysfunction, so many messed up things and decisions we've made. And, and yet you can take it and you can transform it and you can redeem it and make something beautiful out of it. Thank you for that. So, God, as we sit at your feet and we learn from you throughout this series, I pray that we might become men and women who trust you in this process. No matter how difficult, no matter how hard that we would trust you to do that work in us because you have said that you began a good work and you're going to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Guys, love you so very, very much. Have an awesome, awesome week, and we'll see you next Sunday.